We're taking you from sideline to sideline and everything in between. It's your one-stop shop for all things football. Join me, Aaron Mukes, every Wednesday and Friday for fresh takes, breaking news, fantasy gold, and more. College and NFL, we got you covered. This is Sideline to Sideline, the podcast. All the spotted. The kick is away. And the kick is... Here comes the rush, and here's the hit. Second down attempt. Oh, what a hit. You can't do that. The quarterback, you can't fight. The 40, the guy is drunk, but there he goes. The 20, they're chasing him. They're not going to get him. Waving his arms. Bear tested. Somebody stop that man. Ladies and gentlemen, now your host, Mr. Aaron Mukes, and his co-host, Akeem. This is your one-stop shop for all college and NFL football. Here is Sideline to Sideline. The fate of the fantasy universe has changed after two big plays last night. Welcome into Sideline to Sideline, the podcast. I am your host, Aaron Mukes, alongside my boy, David Gonzalez. What's good, David? Yesterday was crazy. Uh, no, I'm just uh, over here just in awe. You know, we had a couple big names go down, uh, that in Drew Brees. I know a lot of people aren't talking about the implications, but Drew Locke is also injured. Um, he, he's looking questionable at best to make his start. So that's two QBs off the top of my head where it's like, you know, it, it's been tough uh, sledding for a lot of teams who have lost big names already, like, you know, the Christian McCaffrey's. You know, and there's a lot of teams that are missing a Saquon Barkley early on or Austin Eckler. So how you maneuver these next couple weeks is going to determine, you know, hey, am I going to have a playoff position to where I can win a championship or am I going to be out of the first round or maybe am I even going to make playoffs? So I'm excited. Definitely. There was a lot of uh, big news yesterday. We're going to get into all of that, the injuries, uh, people who may be returning, people who are going to be out for a while. But I want to start off with two of the biggest plays this season and altering the fantasy uh, universe, as as we say it, um, altering the fantasy universe towards the end of games yesterday. And I know uh, I'm just going to speak from a personal note. I literally won four leagues yesterday off the DeAndre Hopkins uh, Hail Mary. So, um, uh, I mean, barring what happens, you know, on Monday Night Football, uh, I should have won four leagues based upon that one play alone. And I know subsequently many others lost some leagues uh, based on Nick Chubb going out of bounds when uh, he could have scored a touchdown there at the end of the game. Uh, he made the right football play, but for fantasy football owners, obviously that's tough to watch. So what do you make of those two plays? And, you know, those are two of the bigger named individuals in fantasy. And did they have any impact on any of your leagues? I know one of ours, actually a couple of ours together it did. Um, what, what were your thoughts on, the, on those two plays uh, there at the end of uh, yesterday? Yeah, man, um, that Nick Chubb, you know, 50-yard run or whatever it was, uh, was one of those moments where I cringed because I had just traded him to you, like, what, the week prior? <laughs> and I was like, he looks fully healthy. And that was my concern. I was like, he's coming off an MCL injury. Maybe it takes him a few weeks to get into gear. But no, what, he came back and rushed for 120 yards or something like that? Yes, sir. And it, it looked like he was just – you know, didn't even miss a, a step, right? So I was kind of like, eh, I traded him in a keeper league where I had him for like a dollar 
and you got them now and i'm just kind of like eh, eh, eh. that sucks <laughs> for me but um in terms of actual leagues i'm happy because we also in one of our leagues together we picked him up and started him so um, yes, that was one one of the moves where i'm like wow somebody dropped him and we just so be so fortunate and you know with the uh, wherewithal to be able to know that he is going to be a game changer, whether it was this week or if it was in playoffs, that we are going to have a RB1 on our hands. So I'm happy about Nick Chubb just in terms of him as a football player. And I have mixed emotions about that play. But in terms of DeAndre Hopkins, man, I think Randy Moss said it best. You know, he, he was one of those guys where, you know, one of those plays that you're going to look back you know, years from now, and, you know, the young kids these days, they're going to be thinking about that Hopkins catch. And may, instead of getting mossed, you might be getting Hopkins, you know what I mean? So it's one of those things where, you know, that could be in the the jargon for now on with these younger kids and playing football. So that's really cool to watch that, you know, how football has plays like that and how just the game has um, traversed into, um, you know, the next generation. So. Uh, all in all, uh, very fun week. A lot of stuff to to make into a lot of stuff to uh, take in. But, um, you know, we're seeing the second half of the season shake out. And it's, you know, it's a new football season. And, you know, just because you went 6-0 and or 7-0 and doesn't mean that you're going to have a football team that's going to be championship worthy. But, um, you know, keep following on this podcast and you might just win yourself a championship. So. Yeah, um, I, what found the, talk- <laughs> I, I found I found the D Hop play to be um, one that fantasy both both plays were interesting to me because they both were kind of um, prevalent in the fantasy world, right? We we talk about this all the time. Games are important all the way until they're over in fantasy football, whereas in regular football, you know, sometimes the end of games we don't care. For instance, um, you know, a blowout we might not care what's going on at the end of the game. Yesterday, I found myself watching the Raider game and rooting for the Raiders to score the last touchdown. So possibly Drew Locke gets back on the field and, you know, can can rack up some more yards because he had a tough day. So I think that was kind of a microcosm of what fantasy football is about. You you watch every second of every game because at any point in time, you know, there's fantasy relevance. And it just happened to be that both of those games were important plays. And one of those, DeAndre Hopkins scores, which gave points to DeAndre Hopkins, gave points to Kyler Murray, took away points from the Buffalo defense. And then the other game you have the Cleveland Browns who Nick Chubb gets the rushing yards, but doesn't score the touchdown. Houston doesn't get a chance to get the ball back. Therefore Deshaun Watson doesn't get points. Um, Duke Johnson, you know, Brandon cooks, those kind of players. So all that goes into consideration when we talk about fantasy football. And I just thought those two plays were kind of just wrapped up the whole weekend. They were really um, big plays for fantasy and uh, they were, there's something fun to talk about, but we want we got to get into these injuries. I got a couple of big topics on the on the slate today, but as you mentioned at the top of the show, Drew Brees has been um, kind of a staple in the fantasy community for many many years. And although he's not the elite passer that he once was, he still had some fantasy relevance. Obviously, being on a really good team with really good weapons, he goes out. He has five broken or cracked ribs, and also a, a collapsed and punctured lung. So they're talking a timetable right now, anywhere between three weeks and then the end of the season. Um, we also saw Teddy Bridgewater go down with is what is being said to be possible sprain of the MCL. Uh, but there is some encouraging signs that he might be able to play through it. Uh, again, we don't know the severity yet. Usually the couple of days after 
the swelling and all that stuff, we kind of get a good idea of how long it's going to be and what the mobility is like. So we will keep an eye on that. We also saw Mike Davis for the Carolina Panthers go out for a short stint during that game. And it was a little bit of concern for many fantasy owners, but he was able to return. I guess um, it came back that he just had a dislocation of his finger. They had to put it back in place and he was able to return. So what do you make of these injuries? Um, I mean, they're starting to pile up and every week it's something different. We talk about um, the Austin Ecklers who possibly could be returning soon. We talk about uh, Miles Sanders who got back on the field, Aaron Jones, who's now back, but didn't seem like he was getting the full workload. And then Chris Carson, who we've been waiting for him to come back um, in Seattle. What, what are you making of these injuries? How are you navigating it on all your teams? And again, are we pointing to this sign of how much depth we actually need to maintain in these leagues as we move forward into the latter part of the season and head towards the playoffs? Yeah, man, I think that the theme throughout this podcast and throughout the fantasy season, you know, when you have, you know, upwards to almost 20 leagues, you know, it's uh, you, you have a t- you have to take a look at the benches and how the leagues are set up, because. You know, in some of my leagues, I, I have, you know, I know in one, I have like seven IR spots and I'm like, okay, that's perfect right now because we got COVID, we have injuries. And I think in that, that league, I've used all the IR spots. So, um, but in there's some leagues where there's, I have no IR spots and it's just strictly the bench. So it's really one of those situations to where uh, you're playing off the settings of your league. You're having to make tough decisions you know, um, in redraft, especially, you're not hanging on to some of the younger players that you probably would, you know, um, especially some of the handcuffs, um, because you're having to make a decision like, hey, you know, Drew Brees is out. Do I drop him and pick up somebody like well, a that's to your Drew point. Lock? That's to your point about the Nick Chubb. We got Nick Chubb because the team decided to drop him for going mm-hmm. on IR because we have no IR slots in that league. Mm-hmm. Same thing with Kenyon Drake. We picked him up, too. And now he's back. He he averaged 6.3 yards per carry. And it looks like he, uh, I think he had almost 17 touches. Like that was uh, something that I wasn't expecting, but it looks like he's, uh, he was one of those players that uh, an owner just didn't have a a spot for, whether it was, he was on by and he, he needed a replacement, but he thought he can scoop him back up later, but we had the wherewithal to scoop him up when we did. And, now it's looking like we have a RB2 ready to we, rock it. We went from no running backs to two really good ones in a matter of a week. We really did. We, I was like, damn, our running backs are trash. And then, <laughs> but to say the least, we did lose some players early on in the season. So yeah. um, it's, been a, it's been a ride. That, but that just goes to show, don't give up. Because I'm also in a league where, you know, I lost Saquon Barkley and Austin Eckler. And, you know, there's points in the season where I was like, I'm dead in the water. You know, there's no coming back. You know, there's no coming back when you lose some of these top players. And, you know, I took a couple losses, you know, uh, still set my lineup, still made sure that I was competitive. And then now, you know, uh, a couple of weeks later, it feels like, you know, I have a shot at least at making noise or um, playing, you know, upset guy or making the playoffs. So, yeah, there's, um, a, think, um, there's something to be said about that, you know, navigating the waiver wire, picking up, you know, even if it's week to week, especially running backs, trying to, you know, win each week when you're maybe you start one and four, like I did in a couple of leagues and you just try to grind through each week. And the next thing you know, you look up and you're you're five and five and you're right in the middle of the playoff hunt. And maybe some of those guys like in, um, Austin Eckler get healthy at the right time or you're able to find a waiver wire gem. Maybe you did draft or you uh, you were able to pick up James Robinson early 
or something like that. And you're able to kind of navigate your way through um, towards the end of the season and, and, you know, give yourself a shot in the playoffs. Yeah. So it's, um, it's one of those things where you feel like, you know, um, it's, it's the, the, the old season was weeks one through five, six, seven, and the new season is the back half. So, um, you know, we, we had these injuries early on, you know, where, you know, Nick Chubb was out several weeks. We had, you know, Christian McCaffrey out several weeks. We've had, you know, uh, quarterbacks uh, be in and out of the lineup. And now we're looking at another set of quarterbacks, you know, Teddy Bridgewater, the Drew Lock, the Drew Brees, who are going to reset the table for the fantasy football leagues. Because, you know, guaranteed a lot of these uh, teams have had success with some of these quarterbacks. And now maybe they're in a super flex and now they're stuck to pick up somebody that um, they didn't really want to start. So uh, keep on fighting, keep on battling. Uh, use the waiver wire as your friend, like Aaron said. You know, be able to pick up, make a play. I picked up Duke Johnson in several leagues because, you know, I just thought he was going to be a one-week wonder for me. And now it looks like I'm going to get to start him for three weeks. You know, even though he didn't have a great week this week, he only had one target. And, you know, he's known for his catches. He, he had 93% of the touches um, out of the backfield. So that, to me, that's an encouraging sign. Yeah, the volume and will that, be there for Duke. Yeah, and I guarantee you that, you know, they won't be in a situation where they're playing in rain and in water you know, so that um, Deshaun Watson's going to be able to have a better situation and he's going to be able to throw for more than 200 yards next week. So I expect, you know, a lot of things to shake out in a way that, you know, if you're paying attention to the waiver wire, if you're making moves constantly and you're utilizing your depth, just like we've been talking about, um, you know, you should be in a place to compete for a playoff spot, if not make some noise. Yes, sir. And you talk, you talk about the two halves of the season. And speaking of the second half season, somebody I want to highlight on today's show, because we've kind of been, uh, we've been talking about them all year. And we knew it was only a matter of time before mm-hmm. the opportunities went his way uh, for the majority of the, the touches in that backfield. And that's DeAndre Swift. And <laughs> I mean, I know we, again, we've had many communications about DeAndre Swift. And why is Adrian Peterson touching the ball so much? And why isn't DeAndre Swift getting more carries? Well, just briefly or shortly before kickoff um, yesterday, we saw um, an update saying that DeAndre Swift would get his first start. And I can tell you the minute I got that update on my phone, I literally looked up and thanked the fantasy gods. Um, DeAndre Swift is on <laughs> a lot of my teams, um, a lot of dynasty teams, a lot of redra- uh, some redraft teams, but we've been waiting for this. And yesterday it came to fruition. He saw 73% of the snaps. He got 16 carries. Um, he averaged five yards a carry, rushed for 81 yards. He also got five catches for 68 yards and, um, and caught a touchdown. This is what we expected from DeAndre Swift. We expect a workhorse back that can be a three-down guy because he's really good out of the backfield on, on um, conversion. The main thing we worried about was pass protection. So on was getting some third-down looks early on in the season. But Matt Patricia had said he's been proved on pass protection. And they're trusting him more and more. And as you can see, when you get him the ball, good things happen. And it looks like they're down the stretch. That's what they're going to try to do. So for all you DeAndre Swift owners out there that were patient and didn't give up on him, congratulations. Thanks for listening. Um, We told you so 
Uh, I know you have a lot to say about DeAndre Swift. I know you just traded for him just in time in one of our leagues. Uh, <laughs> and also was able to get rid of Henderson, who might be looking at more of a timeshare than we originally thought as well. Talk about DeAndre Swift and um, your thoughts on him. Man, DeAndre Swift was my second uh, best running back coming into the – and he was competing to be the top running back for me. Um, but he was the guy that I thought um, could have been the first RB taken in the draft. And that's saying a lot because there was a good, you know, stable of running backs coming out. But the, re- the thing that I liked about Swift is that he was so fluid. His vision is so good. And he's so dynamic as a runner and a pass catcher. I just felt that his skills would easily translate into the league. And it looks like now that he's getting the opportunity to show what he can do. Um, he, he caught a touchdown. He's running the ball, making big splash plays. I think his first two carries went for – 16 yards and 11 yards, but they were exciting too. He jumped over, hurdled somebody, and you know everyone just you just felt that excitement on the team. You could see the linemen are running to the line of scrimmage. Uh, Matt Stafford kept going back to him, so um, I'm excited to see what this guy can do for the uh, with the majority of the touches moving towards the end of the year. I think that uh, I saw something that he's the RB 13 or 14 right now in PPR. Um, after that week and I I can see a top 12 finish easily um, by the end of the year for him so in PPR so um, if you had the if you had the wherewithal to draft him um, in your leagues especially dynasty especially you know keeper leagues um, congratulations because you got yourself a true um, running back who can do it all and uh, now that he's got somebody with confidence behind him as the coach over there, um, you know, that coach, you know, was behind, uh, you know, Bill Belichick and he's old school. So I knew that there would be some situational football to where he wasn't going to get opportunities, but he had 78% of the uh, running back, um, you know, um, 78% of running back, you know, just plays and he had, you know, opportunities, 78% of the opportunities and 73% of the snaps. So he had 25.9 fantasy points. That's exciting for me. That's exciting for everyone else. And we just can't wait to see what he can do next, honestly. Yeah, I'm, I'm really encouraged about DeAndre Swift. Uh, conversely, um, another guy that had a big game that we've been continuing to talk about is Antonio Gibson. Um, but I had a little bit I, – I, I'm going to say the same thing to Ron Rivera that I said to Matt Patricia. Uh, they have to stop with this J.D. McKissick. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, we, we've, seen this, we've seen this movie before, and I'm not saying J.D. McKissick doesn't have the ability to be a good pass-catching back. Um, my issue is he's been a journeyman on a number of teams. He's never been a guy that's been consistent enough. And when you're, when you're running back and you're not named Alvin Kamara and you're getting 15 targets a game, your offense is not going to be efficient. Your offense is not going to be uh, something that teams fear. It's just not the way football is played right now. So um, I, I had a huge issue with the way their offense has been running through J.D. McKissick. He had way too many opportunities offensively, playing way too many snaps. And I don't know if I can attribute that to Antonio Gibson's lack of pass protection uh, because he has the ability out of the backfield to catch the ball. Or if it's just Ron Rivera being stubborn, maybe not wanting to put too much on Antonio Gibson, um, even though he's still been producing. Um, Gibson only played 30% of the snaps or 36% of the snaps, um, still scored two touchdowns and, and, and put a, had a nice output. 
But it gets really frustrating watch JD, watching J.D. McKissick in every play, going out for these little three-yard routes. Um, that is just, again, not but something like you, you can said, be successful. Like you said, we've seen this show before. It's a, uh, you know, it's not for the, you know, uh, it's not for the longevity of a season. Because when J.D. McKissick gets a lot of opportunities, he tends to get injured. And I'm just waiting for J.D. McKissick to come up with a hamstring injury or something like that because they're overusing him right now. He's not built to get that many touches at this point. And, you know, it's almost inevitable that he will go down with some type of a nagging injury. And I think Antonio, at that point, Antonio Gibson is just going to skyrocket. So You, you can't um, take 15 targets out of the backfield only averaging three yards a target and only complete seven of them. Like, to me, again, it's just an inefficient offensive game plan. And I don't know who in Washington is going to tell Ron Rivera, like, or the offensive coordinator, this doesn't work. We need to push the, down, push the ball down the field more. Or Alex Smith, you got to throw the ball down the field. And then McKissick's five, six targets should come within some sort of screen game or, again, a, a few checkdowns. But the, their offense is it's just inefficient, and um, it's frustrating as a fantasy owner. I have a question for you because we just talked about Swift. Like I said, he was my RB2 borderline, you know, top RB in the draft. Mm -hmm. But uh, how about the lack of touches, the lack of big plays, the lack of usage for Jonathan Taylor? Is that Um, – are you concerned at this point? I I am extremely concerned about Jonathan Taylor's redraft value. Um, So for this year. Uh, for yeah. those people that, you know, and he was considered kind of the consensus number one uh, running back off people's boards. And he was being drafted really, really early. And, and number one, Marlon Mack was still there. So I never believed Jonathan Taylor was going to be getting all the carries anyways because Marlon Mack was still there. Mm-hmm. He had good years. And then when Marlon Mack got hurt, there was nobody standing in the way of Jonathan Taylor except for himself. So, you know, we mm-hmm. could talk about the Naheem Hines and the Jordan Wilkins, but the only reason they got opportunities is because Jonathan Taylor struggled protecting the football and has been inefficient as a runner. So I have huge concerns about him right now. Um, and I think the Colts are going to be considered one of those teams that goes with the hot hand approach. Um, I think if Jonathan Taylor comes in the game and fumbles, he's out. And he might not see any carries for that game. If he comes in, he's averaging two and a half yards a carry like he has been doing, he's out. And Jordan Wilkins or Naheem Hines is going to get the majority of the opportunities. I, I'm a big believer there are some good football teams in, fan, or in regular football that don't have a lot of good fantasy football assets, and the Colts are one of them. I think the Colts and the Baltimore Ravens are two very, very good football teams, but their fantasy relevance is very, very small. And I am um, staying away from players on both of those teams for the majority, uh, for the most part, because the, the, the coaching staff is, has been shown to just whoever's hot, we're going to go with. Whoever's performing that day, we're going to go with it. When you have those kind of situations in fantasy football and you can't predict who's going to see the touches or who's going to see the snaps, uh, it's, it's just a recipe for disaster. Yeah, man. It, it, it's one of those situations to where, you know, just because you're on a team where it doesn't seem like – it seems like everything's perfect. It seems like, you know, you're the best player – um, you have the best offensive line, but you know, sometimes the funny thing about fantasy football is that it's gambling at the end of the day. And, uh, you know, people have said, Oh, Jonathan Taylor has terrible vision. 
or he needs to get more touches or it's Philip Rivers fault. But, you know, they play football and the goal of football is to win games and not all plays are going to go in your direction. So that makes it really sweet when you see like a situation like DeAndre Swift and, you know, really play out the way it is because it's nothing's guaranteed. You know, Uh, we've seen situations like, you know, Trent Richardson where he had an amazing first year and then he's pretty much worthless the rest of his career. So, um, you know, maybe it's not, it's not too, you definitely don't give up on Jonathan Taylor and dynasty or keeper, but you know, I, I, I agree with you, Aaron, be concerned about his redraft value because it doesn't look like it's going to change anytime soon. Agreed. Um, let, you know, speaking of, of value, I want to point out something I have, uh, we have Pittsburgh's wide receivers and all year we've been kind of trying to figure out who's the number one there. Who's the number two Who's the number three. I think it's clear that Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson, and Juju Smith-Schuster are all very, very fantasy-relevant wide receivers. And we actually saw it on display against Cincinnati. Um, Fun fact, they had each had over 10 targets, each put put up over 20 fantasy points, and then the remaining targets basically went to Eric Ebron, which is, you know, what we expect. So how do you rank – I want to know how you rank these wide receivers – I think a lot of people have it, Chase Claypool, number one, um, Juju, number two, and Deontay Johnson, number three, just because Deontay Johnson has been um, kind of up and down, in and out of the lineup due to injuries. He's been the most injured. Um, If they're all three healthy, I want you to tell me, how do you have the pass catchers in Pittsburgh? Do you think they can all maintain the fantasy relevance they had on Sunday? And are you looking to move any of them? Um, if not, so uh, what? What? How do you rank those those guys over there in Pittsburgh? You know, um, it's funny you say that because um, I, I see that it's going to be like a juggling, you know, uh, juggling circus because I think that all three of them have different attributes that are needed within a game. Um, it seems like Ben Roethlisberger has a certain amount of trust to Juju Smith around the red zone. It seems like Deontay Johnson is the guy that makes splash plays uh, in between the 20s. And it seems like Chase Claypool is the rising superstar that is eventually going to be the, una, you know, he's going to be the guy, uh, to say the least. Uh, whether that's end of this year or next year, he's going to be the numero uno. But he, at this point, he's still learning the game. And he, he's showing signs that he can be that big top dog, number one. But he's not yet there on a consistent basis. So if we're talking about dynasty, I mean, of course, Chase Claypool is going to be the number one. And I would probably go dynasty because it looks like Juju is – his contract's up this year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, I, I think – I think Juju's the odd man out if you're talking long-term yeah. dynasty. Yeah, I think, so I think they move on from Juju. They have to because why would they pay him when they – it looks like they're going to have to pay these other guys coming up. Um, and, you know, in terms of their, their bread and butter is, you know, um, their defense and Ben Roethlisberger being able to control the pace of the game. So uh, I think that Ben Roethlisberger has shown that he can make Antonio Brown – Emmanuel Sanders, Mike Wallace, 
the names can keep coming up and Ben and Ben Roethlisberger makes these guys relevant to the point where they get paid. And then he does it again with another receiver. Right. So, yeah, I think, I think um, the, the lack in running game is definitely helping the Pittsburgh passing game and the addition, um, or I guess the re-implementation of, of big Ben into that offense definitely revitalized the, the receivers there. And I, I, let me tell you how I have them ranked. Um, first of all, redraft this year, it really depends on your roster. If you need a high floor, I think the highest floor is Juju Smith-Schuster. I think he's going to see the, the target shares. I think he, he, you know, he's averaging the least amount on depth per target. I think that's kind of the safety blanket, like you mentioned, for Big Ben. Um, so he's going to be consistent. He might have some games where he doesn't go for 20, 25 points, but he's going to have this floor that I think is higher than a Deontay Johnson and, and Claypool. I think Deontay Johnson is my number one if they're all healthy. And the reason I have him as my number one long-term if they're healthy, I think he's the biggest playmaker out of all of them. I know everybody's kind of in love with this Chase Claypool, and I think he's a big play guy, but I also find sometimes that um, he can be, he can have a disappearing act. And a lot of his complete or a lot of his targets go for incompletions. Like there's this disconnect or uh, maybe he's not running the right routes or maybe there are plays that are just, again, deep balls that they're not connecting. I think Deontay Johnson is the most versatile as far as big playability and underneath and then run after catch. I think um, he's an amazing run after catch guy. He's been a punt returner. Um, So my number one long-term is Deontay Johnson. And I have Chase Claypool right behind him, um, like in a dynasty format, very close. And then Juju, Juju somewhere beneath that, depending where he goes. But when you talk about redraft, are you looking for at this point of the season, when you're kind of constructing your roster, are you looking for high risk, high reward guys? Or are you starting to nail down your, your high floor guys and guys that you can plug into your lineup and you know what you're going to get out of them. Um, Cause I find myself doing that. I find myself getting rid of these high boomer bust guys. I, I look to move those and try to look for more solid, consistent fantasy plays. You know, it's uh, really it depends on, you know, how my lineup is constructed. Like, I mean, I'm a, I have a, a team where, you know, I have DeAndre Swift, I have, you know, Joe Mixon, um, David Johnson, David Montgomery, I have Kenyon Drake, and then I have Keenan Allen, A.J. Brown, so and Kyler Murray. So when I'm looking at that lineup, I'm trying to mix it up. So I think Keenan Allen and I think um, somebody like uh, A.J. Brown – you know, they're, they're opposites to me. Like Keenan Allen is consistent. AJ Brown, he needs to have a touchdown, make some big plays. And then I want to put more consistent players in there. Like I would put, um, oftentimes I would either put DeAndre Swift or David Montgomery, depending on, you know, what I needed. If I needed a a floor with volume, I would go uh, David Montgomery, but now it looks like I'm going to go Swift all the way. So um, it really depends, man. Like, you know, also who you're, who are you playing? Are you playing a team that looks like they will, could have some players that can explode? Are you playing a Tyreek Hill who can maybe go for 30 points and Patrick Mahomes who can go for 30 points? Or are you playing like a Baker Mayfield and, you know, some of these players that, you know, probably won't put up huge numbers, but they're not going to put up super low, low numbers. So, um, it's based on who I'm playing. It's based on what my expectations are for the rest of my lineup. I try to have some mix it in, mix and match to say to give you a straight answer. There you go. 
All right, let's um, let's get into these top waiver ads this week. Um, some some guys you're keeping on uh, your radar before we get into our optimal lineup updates and our optimal lineups. Um, I'm going to give you some of the top waiver wire ads I have for this week. Um, number one is it, it's interesting, man. We we when Miles Gaskin went out on the on IR, we talked about a number of guys. We talked about the Matt Breidas. We talked about the Jordan Howards. Um, and then out of nowhere, all of Ahmed. a sudden, it looks like Salvin Ahmed takes the lead role in that backfield. But Matt Breda's still been out. So um, I still have concerns. I'm not sure anybody knows who's going to be the lead guy when Breda's healthy. Um, I still have a feeling that Matt Breda is the guy they want to be the lead back. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, they released Jordan Howard, so he's out of the picture. And as long as Breda's out, I think Salvin Ahmed has a spot. So he would be my number one waiver wire ad this week if um, from the running back position if uh, Matt Bradis remains out I think he would be the most beneficial um, I also liked what I've been seeing from the the Patriots backfield I know we we talked about Damian Harris before and he, he had his you know another 100 yard game um, he's been seeing the majority of the the bulk of the carries but Rex Burkhead has continued to put up fantasy value and almost looks to have taken the role of a James White um, I don't know what the connection is there with Cam, but Cam hasn't been able to uh, navigate him and James White relationship. And Rex Burkhead has been the beneficiary of that. Uh, he scored two touchdowns and, again, fantasy relevant. So I have him on the waiver wire um, list as well. And then for receivers, I have Michael Pittman, who looks to be the clear number one when healthy in Indianapolis. Um, even though I'm not a fan of the Colts offense, if I had to – search and maybe had guys on buys and need somebody to fill in. I think Michael, I think Michael Pittman would be the, the one I would go with. And then also Jakeem Grant. Now that Isaiah Ford was moved, Jakeem Grant is seeing a lot of playing time. And with Preston Williams out um, and the inconsistencies, once again, of Devontae Parker, or at least that connection that Tua and Devontae Parker may not have, uh, Jakeem Grant looks like a guy that um, could fill in there. And then at quarterback, obviously, we have to talk about the replacement for Drew Brees. Do we go Jameis Winston? Do we go Taysom Hill? Um, possible replacements there. If Teddy Bridgewater misses time, it might be P.J. Daniels. Um, I have Winston in there. I think Winston ultimately is the backup quarterback in New Orleans, even though it's listed as Taysom Hill. I think Taysom Hill will see more snaps um, than he has in the past, but I think Jameis Winston is the guy that's going to drop, de- drop back and make the majority of the throws. So he's on my list as well. Talk about those guys and anybody else that you have on your list that I may have missed. Sure. I'm going to go with uh, a guy we talked about last week. And, um, you know, he's flown under the radar, but he is wider – or I'm sorry, RB3 uh, from weeks 7 to 10, and that is Wayne Gallman. He's been doing some work, and he's a lot better than we all have given him any sort of credit for. Um, and it's weird because, you know, he's in that Giants offense, offense – they're going on by, so um, careful about that ad, but he has been suitable. Um, he had two TDs this past week. Um, I'm going to go with also Michael Pittman for those reasons. He looks like the Vincent Jackson to, um, you know, Phillip Rivers. I'm also going to add Cole Beasley, old but goody. Um, if he isn't rostered, looks like he's uh, in just under 50% of leagues rostered, and he had, what, 11 catches uh, this past week. Yeah, target uh, machine is, this week. Which is good for me. And John, um, Brown, and John Brown is hurt still. 
Yes. Jalen Rager looks like he's about a game away from a breakout. Um, so that's interesting. And Travis Fulgham kind of stepped back a little bit this week. So is Jalen Rager, is that week coming where he just explodes? Um, because I'm just kind of waiting for that one. Jacoby Myers, who we started in one of our leagues, um, he put up um, – he threw a touchdown. He's caught some passes. He looks like he is, you know, their go-to guy at this point with Cam Newton. And, of course, Jameis Winston, um, I think that he will come in and make a, make some uh, noise, uh, whether that's good or bad noise. I'm not sure yet, but I think <laughs> definitely he should be in line to improve upon his abysmal numbers um, over the last, you know, couple starts. Um, but I, I, he's in a prime position, and I don't doubt that he's got it in him to make some touchdown passes. So there we that's go. who uh, I got. Again, a lot of good waiver wire pickups. Um, don't go crazy on the waiver wire. There are probably not many league winners here, but if you need to fill in for bye weeks, um, one thing I would caution is sometimes we as fantasy owners will get enamored with the good game that the person just had. And we want to make sure we get them into our lineup the next week. Make sure we're still looking at matchups. And you're not starting these guys over the studs that you drafted and maybe that didn't perform. For instance, you're not starting a Salvin Ahmed over an Aaron Jones because Aaron Jones didn't, you know, he had a regular game. So just be careful with that. Um, we tend to get a little too reactionary when it comes to waiver wires. Um, but again, and it's, good have, it's good to have depth. Yeah, absolutely. Just take everything we say with a grain of salt. You know, you, you drafted some players for a reason, so stick to your guns. But you can also add in some sugar with the spice and make it, make it a nice combination. So, Aaron, tell me, uh, what are we looking at for our uh, weekly bet? Uh, optimal lineup. David got the win last week. Yeah, uh, it, yeah. was a, it, was, it was a really good matchup. Um, it was like 120 – or, I'm sorry, 134 to 126 or something. It was really close. Um, David got the win. There were some good matchups. You are now ahead six to four. So after 10 nice. weeks, after 10 weeks, you were up six to four, um, down 10 bucks. Got to make this comeback. Um, and I think my lineup this week is going to do that. I think I got a good lineup. In place. <laughs> um, nice. I went, I went some heavy hitters this week. So let's, let's uh, see what you got. Week 11 heavy hitters. Um, good matchup here at the quarterback position. The first time I'm using them in my optimal lineup. I am going Justin Herbert. I think he recovers from, a, you know, one of his lesser performances against um, a very good Miami Dolphin team. Um, I'm going Justin Herbert. He gets to take on the Jets. They're in, they're playing in LA. I'm going Justin Herbert against the Jets. I have Alvin Kamara against the, um, the Atlanta Falcons. I think they're gonna lean on Kamara with Breeze going down. Obviously he's seeing a ton of targets one of the top backs in fantasy, really one of two fantasy running backs this year that were drafted as elite and have been elite, him and Dalvin Cook. So um, I'm going to go Alvin Kamara there. Um, I'm going to take Mike Davis. I know he was injured and left the game, but they said he should be fine. Christian McCaffrey seems to be out another week. He's going against a Detroit Lions team that gave up a ton of fantasy points to running backs. Um, Antonio Gibson and J.D. McKissick both were successful there. Um, I think he's going to exploit that Detroit Lions defense. I'm going Mike Davis. Can't go a week without putting in and showing, paying homage to DeAndre Hopkins. That's my boy after the, the catch that led me to four wins. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins next week against the 40, or I'm sorry, against the Seattle Seahawks. Um, on a Thursday night, I'm going to go 
Um, DeAndre Hopkins there. Chase Claypool. Um, I kind of just guessed here. I wanted to get a Steelers receiver in there against Jacksonville. And I didn't really know whether to go Juju, Deontay, or Chase. Uh, I'm hoping for a big, you know, maybe a two, three touchdown game by Chase Claypool. They seem to like him in the red zone. Um, he's a big guy, big target. So I'm going to go Chase Claypool. I am going Terry McLaurin against the Bengals. Uh, we saw what Pittsburgh did to them. I know it's not a Pittsburgh offense, but I think Terry McLaurin is obviously the clear and cut number one in Washington. Really the only receiver that's reliable. I'm going Terry McLaurin there. I'm going Travis Kelsey against the Raiders. Uh, revenge, revenge game for Kansas City. I think Kansas City comes out. I think they want to prove a point. I think this is going to be a good game Sunday night, but I think uh, Travis Kelsey comes ready to play. And then I'm going the Chargers defense against the Jets. Since the Jets are now off the bye, you already know who my defense is. <laughs> All right. I'm going to go with the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers defense against the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm going to go heavy on the – I'm going to tilt towards the Mahomes trying to make a statement game against my Raiders. Uh, I'm going to go Mahomes. I'm going to go Travis Kells and Tyreek. Okay. I'm going to go – I know, I'm stacking that thing. I'm going to go with another wide receiver, Tyler Boyd. And what do I need? A running back and a wide receiver? Two running backs and a wide receiver. Two running backs and a wide receiver. I'm going to go with Miles Sanders as one running back. I'm going to go with Yeah, we saw Let's Miles Sanders with. get most of the touches uh, last week, even with a Boston Scott who had played well. Let's go with uh, Ahmed. I'll go with Ahmed. Oh, nice. he's going deep into the waiver wire target with the Salvin Ahmed pick. I like it. And I owe you one wide receiver. Yes, sir. And give me Jacoby Myers. running. All right, Jacoby Myers. We got... Justin Herbert, Alvin Kamara, Mike Davis, DeAndre Hopkins, Chase Claypool, Terry McLaurin, Travis Kelsey, and Chargers defense against Patrick Mahomes, Miles Sanders, Salvin Ahmed, Tyler Boyd, Jacoby Myers, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, and Pittsburgh defense. Week 11 is about to be here. Good luck to everybody. Another good week. Um, David, next week we will talk about where our fantasy playoffs line up, how many leagues we're getting into the playoffs in, and um, – and talk another good waiver wire, some injuries, and uh, some headlines from week 11. Until, that, until next time, uh, any parting words, David? Sounds good, brother. No, just uh, keep on following along. Again, we broke the news on guys like, you know, Gallman. We broke the news on guys like Jacoby Myers, Robert Tanyan. So who are we going to talk about next that's going to just break out and win you a week or win you a league? You know, we didn't even talk about Balage too much, but we've mentioned him before that he should be on your radar. So um, keep on listening and follow along, and we're, we're ready to help you put some cash in your pockets, all right? Yes, sir. Follow David at, on Twitter at, at SaxExperts. Follow the S2 podcast on Twitter and then sideline to sideline underscore podcast on Instagram. Until week 11, peace out.